to the St Emlyn's Podcast. I'm Ian Beardsall. I'm Natalie May. And I'm Simon Carley. And in one of those unique threesome moments, we join you from the London Trauma Conference Day 2 to bring you our highlights, some of the best learning points and just little nuggets that we've picked up during the day. It's been a really long day, I have to admit. There's the murmur of the drinks reception outside, which Natalie and Simon are both keen to get to. So let's get on with it. Natalie, let's start with Connor DC. The first talk, one that we've actually recorded for a podcast in the future, talking about trauma team performance. Connor brought this interesting concept of improving team performance through technology in the first section of his talk. And he and I have talked a little bit about that in a separate podcast, which you'll hear. But the headlines of that were talking about using a computer in addition to the scribe role and how that has given a little bit more insight into what happens. And also talking about using videoing of sim scenarios and how that can improve the feedback to the team and improve those behaviours. He mentioned some things about if you put video cameras over sinks, it increases your hand washing. And no doubt if the team believe they're being videoed, it would help with their performance in trauma too. Had an interesting talk following that from Wolfgang Wöckel. I'm sure that's exactly how you say that. Followed up by our very own Professor Simon Carley. Simon, your talk was about clinical judgment in the recess room. The decisions that we make are really, really important. That might seem obvious But the reason why I wanted to make such a point of it today is that faulty thinking, poor cognition, is one of the greatest reasons why we get things wrong. And it's also one of the greatest reasons why we get things right. And whilst we spend lots and lots of time learning psychomotor skills or increasing our knowledge, we don't spend enough time thinking about thinking and thinking why we make diagnostic errors, why we make cognitive errors. So you'll hear more about it on another podcast, but essentially I think we need just to stop and think and think about thinking. This is a theme that comes up in St Emlyn's all the time. Not what we know, but how we translate what we know into action and get the best from ourselves and from each other. Lots more to talk about, which I'm sure we will do in the future. Up after the coffee break, a friend of the show, Ross Fisher, who you'll have heard on podcasts in the past and may have seen at conferences throughout the country and internationally, talking about who should treat paediatric trauma patients. Natalie, this had some crossover with your talk as well. Really, again, back to yesterday's subject of the fact that many children end up in non-paediatric trauma centres. It's an easy question to answer when you think about your own children. You want them to have the best care, so you want them to be in the place that's going to deliver the best care. The question is how we can make that easier to understand, easy to recognise. We know that children do get better trauma care when it's paediatric specialist driven. And it's about how we can increase the number of people in the UK who are able to provide that care as well. And we've talked about that at greater length with a podcast both from Ross and another one with Natalie as well. So there'll be more on that in coming weeks. But again, thinking about being the best, how can we just improve that much to be as good as we can be? Another couple of talks in that session, again, about paediatric trauma. Karen Landis, a paediatric radiologist, talking about our imaging modalities. I think the key to that was really the RCR guidelines, which we do have a blog post on the site about. But also that there are people you can ask for advice Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and talk to your radiologist. And Simon, Kirsty Soans, an advanced care practitioner, was talking about how we can look after the parents in the resource room. This is a question that comes up a lot, and I think there are cultural views on this from around the world. Different departments have views about whether you should have the parents of a traumatised child in the recess room whilst you're doing the resuscitation. My practice, and I think the practice across the St Emlyn's team, has been, well, why shouldn't you? But if you're going to do it, and I think Kirsty made a really good point about this, is that you need to do it carefully and safely because that experience 
for that family is going to be memorised and possibly be the most important thing that happens to that family ever. It's really important that we get that right and we should manage it well. We should think about how we're going to do it and plan for it. I don't think there's much difference between parental presence at paediatric cardiac arrest versus a major trauma. And we've already written about that at St Eminence, about how we think that parents should be there for that side of things. What resonated with me from Kirsty's talk was her own perspectives about the effect on healthcare workers, and particularly that she talked about a case in which a child was completely alone for their resuscitation because of the nature of the incident they'd been involved in and how that was affecting her and the members of the team. I suppose it was just a call to recognise the emotional impact that treating seriously injured children can have on us as, as clinicians. And that recognition that sometimes the trauma the child's been involved in may well also involve their parents. So how can you look after all these patients at the same time whilst meaning that parents can be with their child? Really difficult things to think about, but maybe things that will come up in your practice. And she also mentioned some of the real difficulties that we may have in paediatric trauma, where non-acceptable injury may even be the cause of the trauma. And that's a huge challenge for everybody involved. But I think the overall message was that we should be doing this unless there's a reason not. And that was one of Ross's learning points was that 10% of major trauma in children is caused by child abuse, non-accidental injury. Another one of those shocking statistics really that almost was as shocking as some of the gun statistics we were hearing yesterday from the colleagues in the US, which leads us nicely actually on to what happened after lunch. Another great talk from Jeff Upperman, paediatric surgeon practicing in California, talking about some of the things we can learn from the recent terrorist attack in the US and some of their mass casualty events, but also the main event of the day, the Peter Basket Memorial Lecture from Simon's namesake, although spelt slightly differently. And to be honest, this speaker has a slightly more enticing accent than Simon's northern burr, but Prof Pierre Carly talking about how they dealt with the terrorist incident in France. Prof Carly talked about the intricacies of the French response to terrorist attacks, and he made some really moving reflections, including the response of healthcare workers to a loss of one of their own. One of the victims was a GP called Stella. And he finished his talk urging us to think about what's going to happen tomorrow, recognising the reality that... It's unlikely that what happened in November in Paris is the last we're going to see of these kind of mass casualty events. And this is a great opportunity for us to think about the systems we have in place, what we would do and how our systems and our hospitals are going to respond if that becomes our reality in the UK. He also talked about the SAMI response and how pre-hospital care is organised differently in France, but many of the same principles would apply if an attack took place here or indeed anywhere. And the idea that the rescues themselves have needs and need to be protected and certainly in the French tax, there was a degree of exposure due to the nature of the incident and the dynamic nature of the incident. There's been a real focus in the last couple of days on how we would deal with the mass casualty event, mass shootings, and a real feeling that in the UK, this could happen to us to at any time. There was a unique gathering of people who've experienced these events in their own countries. And so we had a panel discussion where the audience were able to both ask questions and the chair and Corinne Brohe also led a discussion about how we might deal with these things. In truth, it, much of it is common sense, but the main message I got was, you need to think about this. This could happen. But also it could happen not just in London. There's lots of plans going on. We've been chatting over coffee with some of the London-based physicians about what their plans are, but it doesn't matter where you are. We really don't know when this might happen. So Get back to your department, dust off your major incident protocol, look at it, check it's good fit for purpose and everybody knows what they're doing. You have the contact details of your colleagues and you've given this some thought because if it were to happen, you won't have the time to think on the day. While the 
the main session was going and there were some other breakout sessions which Natalie and Simon you managed to get to just a couple of other things did you want to mention anything from those we managed to stick our heads into the pediatric concurrent session and we caught Fionn Davis talking about non-accidental injury in major trauma that was something that came up through the main ped session she made the important point that around about 73 percent of those children with non-accidental injury as the cause of their ISS score greater than 15 are under one year old the median age is about three and a half months and again reiterated that they don't present as major trauma patients they present as those slightly grotty not feeding very well not quite right babies and actually that's a challenge to some of the traditional child safeguarding teaching that we have we need to be aware of non-accidental injury across the board whenever we see pediatric patients it's not just about if they're injured is it a non-accidental injury it's all the children we see she made particular note of the very young children where this is an issue and head injuries in that group who may present looking septic or may be just looking as if they've got a viral illness. And I think the data that she presented gave the suggestion that it may be just the tip of the iceberg what they're seeing. There's a suggestion that we're seeing quite a severe group identified through the databases and that might mean that there's a lesser severity of small subdurals and small, particularly brain injuries in children, which we're missing. I think it's taught me to really raise my vigilance in this area. Less severe injuries, so not scoring an ISS greater than 15, so not making it onto the TARN database. Are they being captured at all in this data, or is that a whole cohort of children who are being intentionally injured that we don't really think about? And then Ross Fisher talked about the role of the paediatric surgeon and the evolving role of the paediatric surgeon within the major trauma team. It was a really good talk and there was quite a lot of crossover there between adult practice and paediatric practice and I could see there's a lot of learning that can take place between the two. Paediatric surgeons in the recess room, there was a suggestion a few years ago that they would be the prime leaders and the resuscitators of children. I think that's changed but Ross clearly articulated the value of having somebody who's used to doing procedures and who has the skills to assess whether or not children need emergency surgery which in the vast majority of cases is pretty low. Some really great learning points from today. It's great to see children high on the agenda at a conference like this. And that led us towards the end of a long but really rewarding day where we had some real quick hits, some rapid-fire learning points from some excellent speakers covering all sorts of different things, from intensive care through to neck trauma. Mark Wilson again, he was talking about whether we should be manipulating spinal injuries. I think the answer was an emphatic no. It really was no. A little bit on TXA from Karim Brohi, really asking questions about where we should go with future research. So lots to think about from another great day at the London Trauma Conference. That brings us to the end of day two. There is actually another day tomorrow, Air Ambulance and Pre-Hospital Care Day, and the Cardiac Arrest Symposium on Friday. Unfortunately, just due to us having jobs, we're not able to make it to either of those, but hopefully there'll be other people tweeting from the conference. Just follow the hashtag LTC2015. And I know that the RCHEM team are also here doing some podcasts, which I'm sure you'll be able to catch in the future. That's it from us at the London Trauma Conference from St. Emlyn's. We'll be back to you very soon with the podcast from this conference and more podcasts, of course, in the future. We hope you found this useful and take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Do we finish again? Ian finishes. No one cares about us. He just starts. Press stop. (laughs) 